0: Toxicity, the podcast that really, really hopes that you wear a mask when in public. My name is Mike Joseph, and I hope that you and yours are staying safe and healthy. Uh, We've been on the air for four months, and I hope that you are enjoying the show so far. If you are, I ask kindly that you please leave a comment or, uh, some kind of feedback on whatever podcast platform you are using to listen. And if you are interested in being on the podcast or you know somebody who is, or you just have, uh, some constructive criticism or a word of advice or a word of support, email me. I'm at detoxpod at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at it's Mike Joseph. On today's show, I'm talking to Brian Bisky-Coyazo. He is a singer and songwriter based in New York City. He's a proud New Yorican and also a brand new dad. In this episode, Brian and I chop it up about how music came into his life. We talk about his appearance on its Showtime at the Apollo. He gives us tips on how to keep a job as a working musician. Hint, it involves not being an asshole. And he gives us a little bit of suburban New York history as it relates to his upbringing. Come in for the tea on Brandy and her mom and leave with some knowledge. Here's Bisky.
1: I am Brian Bisky Koyaso. I'm a singer, performer, musician, entertainer, New Yorkan dad. That's a, that's a lot of things. It's a lot of things.
0: Originally from New York, you grew up uh, sort of New York City
1: adjacent, I I'm, guess? I'm New York City adjacent, exactly. I grew up <laughs> in the Hudson Valley. But so close, you know, New Yorkers will always be like, you're from upstate, but like, if you look at a map, at a map, like I'm like right outside New York City. I was born in Rockland County and grew up in a town called Havistraw, uh, New York. I've never and, heard of that town uh, before. Oh, Havistraw is dope because it is super close. You can probably get into the city within a, a half hour, 30 or 40 minutes. Okay. And it's a town that it has a huge... Uh, Latino population, big Puerto Rican, big Dominican population. When my parents first came over from Puerto Rico when they were teenagers, both of them met as teenagers in Havistro, New York. Okay, you know, and, and I, I'm always curious about that like, well, how did you find this place? Oh, my brother was here, or my, you know, both of them had siblings that already had moved over, and I guess I don't know for some reason. I think Havistra was a factory town and they built bricks. Okay, uh, they built bri- bricks and how to show that was the big industry kind of like there's a there's a, a town a little further north in I want to say it's Ulster County called Platic Hill. Have you heard of this town? Yes, I have heard of that town when I was growing. So we, we moved up north a little closer to Newburgh in Orange County when I was like, <laughs> maybe 13 years old. And we used to call that town because Puerto Rico, a huge, huge Puerto Rican population there. And I'm like, wow, how did they all find it? And it was like they were apple orchards that people knew about. And for some reason, a lot of Puerto Ricans would come and they would work, work the orchards. And so much, they also, there was this whole, they called this the like the Spanish Catskills. There was like these uh, resorts up in Platykill that they called Las Villas, the, you know, looked like the, the villas, mm-hmm. and it was all these Latin clubs. There were like hotel resorts with, you know, that, that people would come up from the city, and they would stay at these resorts and they, they would get all of the, the hottest uh, salsa bands would come. Pito Point. Puente would come up and play there. You know, a Gran Combo would come play there. And, you know, it was and that was all in Plattic Hill, New York.
0: Wow. See, I think of Rockland County or anything further north than New York City. And I'm like, there are no minorities
1: there at all. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Rockland is different. Well, at least you know, at least Havistraw is, you know, the Havistraw for that, that town, I grew up in a very diverse population, tons of Latinos, uh, you know, Spanish, Puerto Rican, Dominicans, a lot of Haitians, a lot of, uh, a lot of Jewish people up that way also, because Muncie is there. Like So Spring Valley, Muncie, there's, well, those, that's actually pretty, pretty Orthodox, you know, a lot of, a lot of Hasidics out there, but. Okay. I don't know, man, everybody's up there, you know, we grew up, we grew up kind of a, in a in a very uh, diverse surrounding i think that's 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 a, a good thing about about new york that you pretty you probably you lose a little bit once you get north of you know yeah uh and orange i mean there's little pockets yeah there's pockets there's pockets but the further north you go it kind of turns into kentucky
0: yeah oh yeah with all that diversity what did everybody get along like were were there any sort of ethnic strife moments was or was everybody
1: just cool and have a straw everybody got along i think the proximity you know we all went to school together we all hung together i think it led to a demystifying of the other cultures you know what i mean it was like you know you would have little little things you know i'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna say that there wasn't you know we had you know i remember my brother dating a uh, a white girl that lived down the block like dating you know it was like you know, when you just said like you're my girlfriend and you're my boyfriend you know? yeah. I, re- I remember that I spe- uh, had, had specific memories of, of the, that being an issue you know where her older brothers were like you know my daughter my my, my sister's not gonna date no spick you know it was like right. you know kind of this, this deal and they were you know but as a whole in that area there wasn't a ton of that when we moved further north when I was about 13 and went to Orange County we lived in we lived in a town called Walden. My parents are still up there, but I remember my friend's parents warning me before going up there saying, like, oh, don't move to Walden. The Klan's there.
2: <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? Oh, shit.
1: And apparently you could find newspaper clippings about a, a huge Klan rally that took place in either Walden, New York or Pine Bush, New York, which was nearby in the 70s. Wow, okay. Um, and this was and this was a, th- uh, a thing. So when I moved up there, I was one of um you know not many one of not many brown people up there and that's cool but it was in an interesting time because this was like probably 92 okay. and like hip-hop culture was getting very very popular in the mainstream and it was like this weird scenario in which there's like you know 40 or 50 brown kids you know going to this all white school but for some reason now we're all popular you know i came from a, you know in my hometown i was kind of a nerd that was like you know this kid draws and reads comic books you know what i mean and, and right. now, i moved up north and had the right you know had had the right raiders uh starter jacket and matching snapback hat and now they think i'm cool you know what i mean <laughs> and uh, yeah it was a, a, an interesting time so but you did see a lot more Strife and kind of you know racial skirmishes happening happening up up that way. That was kind of my first time experiencing it on that level. You know where we'd be kind of hanging out around town. You know with you know me and the other you know minority kids in our cross color hoodies, and you know kind of kind of sitting on a, a a park bench and cops coming up and telling us we can't be there. You know keep it moving, get out of here. You know what I mean? Like it just or just you know just kind of harassing for. For no reason other than then you're there, you know, right? Um, or you would have these kids that would wear T shirts. Well, first off, you you'll you'll see some houses up there with flying Confederate battle flags Which in New York, in New me. York State. Yeah,
0: <laughs> anytime, and I've only seen a Confederate flag in one northeastern state ever,
1: you know, in my life. And I'm just like, do
0: y'all not understand how the Civil War worked?
1: First off, I thought you guys weren't, all, weren't about participation tro- trophies, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and second, you live in New York, so you're a Yankee, and um, you're flying a, a loser flag. But yeah, every now and then, you would you'll you'll see a house up there that's flying a, a Confederate battle flag, and then you would. I, rem- I remember distinctly in high school, a couple kids wearing T-shirts with like the Confederate flag on it, and 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 then print underneath that would say, "You wear your ex, I'll wear mine." Oh, I've seen you know, those shirts this is before. When we were
0: wearing, you know, when we were we're wearing like the wearing Malcolm X, X shirts like and the hats yeah, exactly. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting. Eesh.
0: Good God! So, how did music come into your life? Like, your parents were musicians,
1: right? Well, were singers, my or parents dancers? are musical, right? So, okay. So they're music. They're, no, they're musicians, but not professional musicians. Okay. So my. I grew up in just a very musical household where everybody was, you know, if the radio wasn't on, somebody was singing at the top of their, not just like humming around. (laughs) Pops plays guitar and he sings uh, uh, both beautifully. And my mother sings beautifully. I'm one of four and three of us all sing. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of the household I grew up in, you know, and then my uncles and cousins all sang. So it was just very... Uh, a normal normal thing, but I, th- I imagine all households were like that growing up, but.
0: I feel like mine was pretty similar. Uh, the radio yeah. was on all the time, you know, my relatives were watching Soul Train and, and all that stuff. Yes. So it was 100% a musical household. So how do you make the connection then from just being like a musical house to wanting to be a musician?
1: You know, I just, I remember as a kid, I had, you know, when you want to be like a fireman or, or a, a, an astronaut or whatever, like right. I swear, I swear I had the the most hilarious two choices of, as a career. I was either going to be a singer or a pro wrestler. Those don't go together. <laughs> right. I mean, as, a, <laughs> as, a, as a little kid for some reason, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll, re- <laughs> I'll be a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like to, like to draw a lot, like everybody in the family is also very uh, visually artistic. Both my parents drew very well, draw very well, um, and uh, all of my siblings uh, draw draw really well. Wow. Um, and we were into like kind of, you know, me and my brothers were like into the like, comic book style, art and drawing superheroes and things like that. So maybe that was also in the, uh, I wanted to be a comic <laughs> comic, book, comic book artist, singer, or a wrestler. And uh, as I got older, I realized I wasn't gonna have the size uh, or physicality for, for, for one of those. And in eighth grade, I sang, a duet with my sister at the school talent contest. And immediately, I think we talked about this before, because the next day at, at school, after that talent contest, all the little girl, all the girls in eighth grade knew who I was. <laughs> and uh, they, were, they were smiling at me a little differently. And I was like, okay, we're good. So I pushed I pushed the colored pencils and crayons away after that. And and, and uh, we, we just started focusing on music. What did that even feel
0: like to just sing in a show one day and then the next day, all of a sudden people are like, oh, Brian,
1: Brian. Oh my God, it was exhilarating. You know, it was a really, I think sometimes we forget as performers and artists or or just try to downplay how much of what we do is, how much of of an element of, hey, look at me, there is to that, you know what I mean? And still, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like we don't want the attention, you know? And it sounds really small or petty or something, you know what I mean? Like, but, you know, something, you, you know, I miss, I miss playing music. I miss all, all that. You know? And I'm sure there's an attention thing that goes with. You. Like how many of us are live streaming, you know? Right.
0: And it's not um, just, I mean, there's money in that for some people, not very many.
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and sure. And it must be at this point that, you know, it's gotta be dying down a little bit. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but so, but yeah, at that, okay. at that time, I remember singing and 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 being the next the next day. People were like, "Hey, Brian, what's up?" And I'm like, "Oh, hey, okay, all right." You know,
2: things yeah, have a
1: changed. Extra, a little extra strut in my step, you know, in the in the hallways. All right. So I gotta ask
0: you to tell the Apollo story, just because it is the funniest <laughs> thing that you were on Showtime at the Apollo.
1: I was on its Showtime at the Apollo when I was, I want to say. 16 I was probably 16 years old okay and we had gone down and it was such a man what a what a what a there's 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 like this confidence that comes with youth you know when you're just like yeah yeah sure i'll do that yeah, I'll, I'll do, do it, it. Well, i guess i guess when you don't appreciate kind of what goes into stuff you're just like yeah i got this you know what i mean so my, i was singing in a group with my my family it was myself my brother my sister and my cousin and we had a little uh singing group and we would get all the new voice demand records and, and 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 jodeci and shy we would sing all le- learn all their songs and sing them in harmony and you know we somehow got a slot on at showtime at the apollo and i'm gonna give you the long version of the story because they, they, there's there's two I, I don't know how they do it today uh, but back then it was To get on its its Showtime at the Apollo, the televised version, you had to win a couple of the non televised amateur nights that they do that they do there on Wednesday nights. Okay. So we went there, and I remember performing at the Apollo, doing like some kind of like a run through on stage, like a little 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 dry run or whatever. And afterwards, being approached by this dude who was kind of from the neighborhood and he's like, yo, you know, let me talk to y'all. And he kind of, he kind of approaches us in and in a, in a, he takes us out to an alley, an alley oh, out, uh, outside of the Apollo. And he's like, okay, listen, he's got like a, he's, he's got a Henny in his hand <laughs> he, and he's, you know, he's like a little, he's, 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 he's a little sketchy. And he's like, yo, check it. You know, I, I, you know, I feel what y'all are doing. Let me, let me see. And he, and he, he kind of turns around and he, and he rips up a piece of cardboard off of a box. That's like there for pickup, and 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 he's got a pen, and he's like, "I want y'all to sign this." You know, I got basically he was trying to sign us to a contract that his piece of cardboard was of a, a- ripped off of a cardboard box
0: Please.
1: on outside of the Apollo. He's like, how can we? You know, you know, you guys are going to sign to my my entertainment company and this <laughs> and that and the We're like, nah. I mean, if, th- thankfully, even at that that point, we had the wherewithal. We're good on that, but you know, let's, you know, we tried not to diss him, but we were like, nah, nah, we're good. <laughs> and, and he's like, all right, cool, all right, cool, you know. But we, we go back on, we go back in, and we got all the confidence, like, oh, we're gonna about to crush, crush this, you know what I mean? We're gonna to kill the Apollo, you know? And we get up and we do our song, and it was Shy, If I Ever Fall In Love. And we were sound, sounding sound really good, you know? I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're killing this, we're killing this. But the crowd, st- the crowd don't know what to make of us on one hand <laughs> and and we realized that this dude that would, that that had just brought us out back in the alley he's leading a whole squad <laughs> and booing us from oh shit so like boo, boo. so half of the crowd was feeling us and then half of the crowd including him and his him, him and his people who were a a large contingent of of it were booing us so we made it through we didn't get booed all but we kind of almost got. It was like it was like a half and half situation. So we definitely can't say that we killed it. And I remember him afterwards being like, "Hey, y'all almost didn't make it, but you know what I mean. If you still want to talk to me, you know, whatever, this and that." And so we're all dejected and like, "Oh man, this is terrible." But the producers of the show were like, "We loved y'all. We want you to come back and do the televised version." And we're like, "Why?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, you guys will be great. You know, Let's do the televised version." So we come back and we do the televised version, and it's the exact opposite. We go there, and Steve Harvey's hosting. You know, Kiki Shepard is there, and we <laughs> sing the same song, and and the crowd actually loved us. They were really, really warm and and receptive, and uh, it went it went great. We ended up not winning, and the person that won that night was on a four was on a, at that point was on a three week uh, win streak. Was a, a poet by the name of Jessica Caremore. Moore. Okay, who you might you might know because she's still doing doing her thing. She's out out in the world uh, creating beautiful art, but she had one at that point, I think three times in a row with a poem that she'd been doing called The Black Statue of Liberty. And they weren't, at that time, they don't, they're not, they were not you know, they they would film like, you know, four or five episodes in one sitting. Sure. Of the Apollo, the show, you know, that thereafter, you know, for, for, for a few weeks. So this same audience, they hadn't flipped the audience. They had seen, her do Black Statue of Liberty already like three times. So I'm like, oh man, I think we're good. Like we might <laughs> <laughs> we might have this now, you know what I mean? Because if she does Black Statue of Liberty again, they've already heard it, you know, they love her, but you know, now we might be able to get this. So we do our thing, we sing our song, they, they, they're they into us, they're feeling it. It's Jessica Karen Moore's time to go on and she gets up and does, she decides to unveil a new poem called Black Girl Juice and crushed it, like yeah. for, it was it was so dope. Super, you know, pro pro black, pro pro woman poem. And it was just really, really cool. And she crushed it. They loved it. They ate it right up and she she won. And I think she won the next week after that as well. She was wow. like on a tear. Yeah. But it was a great, great experience for us. The artist of, of our episode, the, the, the guest musical artist was Brandy. Okay. And you know, she was just that her first album was out. We were like super hyped. To, to, to be sharing the stage, so to speak, with her. And I remember her, she was sitting in the balcony just overlooking the stage. So <laughs> we are so corny. For the chorus, we'd be like, I will be sure that the lady's just like you, and like point to her. <laughs> so by the way, I have fi- I finally found the VHS tapes from, from this performance, and I uploaded that to YouTube. To YouTube? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link, but you could. Yeah, it. I got to see what I, what I, what I, what I titled it, but yeah. Some I'm going to told throw me, that link like, in the are, notes. What are y'all pointing at? And it was we were pointing at Brandy, <laughs> who, who was very she mercifully, she was very sweet and and, and appreciated our, our pointing and did not call us out for being corny. I mean, we corny. she
0: wasn't like Brandy
1: yet. Like, she
0: well, was the still interesting thing up. was,
1: the interesting thing was, we so now we meet Brandy. And her mother pulls us aside, who was her manager at the time, Sonia right. Norwood. Ray J's there, young Ray J, and and Sonia uh, approaches us and tells us she's interested in managing us. She wants us to like send her some information, a press kit, or whatever, and let's 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 talk because she you know she 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 could see envision big things for our career. And um, we're like, wow, that's amazing. We're super hyped. And then we go to talk to brandy, and Brandi's like, that's amazing. We're going to be working together. And we're like, wow, this is so cool. And. Somehow we get talking. We tell her the story about what happened on the Wednesday show. We met this dude and tried to sign us, and then afterwards, because we didn't want to sign with him, we got everybody to boo us and this and that. You know, I mean, and look, that's the way I remember the story. Maybe they just didn't feeling us and, and booing <laughs> us with something separate. But to us, but to us, that 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 was what happened, right? And she says to us, "Don't worry, you know that that stuff happens. You know what I mean?" She's like, "You know, Aaliyah." you know, the singer Aaliyah? And I'm like, well, of course we know Aaliyah, you know? And she's like, you know, for some reason she doesn't like me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm spilling some tea that I probably shouldn't, but you know, at this time, at this stage, uh, she was saying, you know, Aaliyah doesn't like me. Uh, for some reason, I guess she feels we're in competition because we're both the two, you know, teenage uh, singers at this time. Right. And and she, said, she, she spoke of a similar situation, I think at like the Soul Train Awards or something where, you know, she had, Aaliyah had her crowd and her fans and she had them all when Brandy was performing booing her saying, Boo, boo, get a boo if you want a <laughs> Wow. And uh, yeah, man, you know, so you know, I guess I guess, I guess it happens.
0: It happens. You know, I feel like everybody's got like a, a, a boo story. It's funny. I was watching this documentary about Luther Vandross this morning, and he's like, Oh, we didn't win the talent contest, but we didn't get booed. I was like, yeah, all uh. right. All right, Luther.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he did he did the Apollo or yeah. was it a different He did soundtrack? the Apollo. Oh, yeah.
0: Wow. He did the Apollo. And didn't oh, yeah. win. So, you know Wow. And look goes, what happened. That to goes him. to show you. Goes to show you. Absolutely. So after that experience, like where does your career go? What are you thinking? Like what's what's your MO?
1: It goes it goes nowhere. I'm 16 years old, right? And we were we're we were just young punks, man. We didn't have any guidance or real drive other than like it, to to us. It was always we're gonna sing, you know, and we'll sing around, and somebody's gonna discover us. A label guy's gonna discover us, right? Right. And so here's our opportunity. Somebody is right there and discovered us and offered us the opportunity to be managed by somebody who's obviously making some 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 big moves in the industry at the time. And she asked us to send us <laughs> to send her. Uh, a packet, a press kit. You know, send me a demo. Send me whatever you got. Pictures, whatever. We didn't have no pictures. We didn't have. <laughs> I think we had a de- we had a demo tape of sorts. It was just us singing a few tunes a cappella, whatever. Anyway, we didn't send her nothing. I, I feel like I I think we may have lost her information or like <laughs> and for some reason, you know. <laughs> Brandy's mom did not get a package from us, and if she did, it was like probably months later. By the time where she probably forgot that we even existed so sure. i finished i finished school and, and i'm and i stay singing you know locally you know we're kind of doing doing you know local talent shows and 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 you know any gigs we can find and i and i graduate high school and i kind yeah. of join the the workforce but like i have a job but at the same time i'm still singing and pursuing personal music at this point the quartet now has turned into a trio my sister you know started a family and then and, and had a baby and then you know she's kind of tending to serve family so now it's myself my brother my cousin and we end up after kind of kicking around you know and you know doing our th- thing locally we end up getting a developmental deal with Sony music with Columbia records and they put us in the studio with so a developmental deal is like we're gonna throw you a few grand you know, it's a demo deal, essentially, right? right? We'll, we'll give you a few grand. You know, you get in the studio, and uh, record, record three songs, and come back to us. You know what I mean? And we'll see what you know. If we want to release something, maybe we'll sign you a single deal, or maybe we'll sign you to a contract, or whatever. Right. Um, so we do that. We signed. We, we signed a demo contract. We got in the studio with a guy named Gordon Dukes, who was, who is a, a super talented songwriter and producer and and singer. He's actually like a very uh, accomplished singer. And at the time, he was kind of known for, he engineered um, Shaggy's big album. Okay. Uh, the one with... Uh, it know, wasn't that. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he engineered that and he did a lot of work um, out of that studio, Big Yard Studios in, in, uh, on Long Island. Wow. So he had a relationship with the A&R that we were working with at Sony. And so we got in the studio with him. And we recorded three songs with him. And... Uh, turn everything into label, and promptly at the same time that all this is going down, our Napster hits, and all the layoffs happen, and our A and R fired. Uh, he sent up the river, or so he's gone, and and so there went our our aspirations for Columbia.
0: All right, and uh, if you don't have uh, an advocate, if you don't have an advocate at the label, the label's not going to want anything to do with you
1: exactly exactly so we just kind of uh we got back to work with with gordon and we actually finished a whole album with him but you know i mean there's you know there's this the i guess sometimes you have to be the most motivated person in your circle and and you know my motivation comes in spurts you know, and i think that happened also with, with our group and his and his motivation you know so sometimes you know you would, you would kind of lose lose motivation and, and 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 kind of you know get out of the uh, a steady, you know, working rhythm. You know, so we kind of put this album and then before you know it, a few months have passed, you know, and a few years have passed or, you know, and and uh nothing ever became of that album was never released. Yeah, we still have it uh in the vaults. <laughs> but nothing happened. And around the same time as you know that we were kind of tapering off with this with, with the group was called Alan at the time. I started singing with a band, like an actual band of, 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 of really talented musicians, kind of based in, in Westchester County in, in, in New York, called Live Society. And we ended up kind of integrating the two, my group Alon, with with this band that uh, at the time we were going by the name of the Bus Drivers, which was a terrible, terrible <laughs>
2: <name>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know. Uh, but we integrated it and we ended up calling it Live Society. So now it's my, myself, my brother, my cousin kind of fronting this band. And it's like this new sound of where it was... Before, you know, pretty produced pop pop tracks, you know, almost boy bandy, you know. Okay. At the time, we would tell you, oh, we're not a boy band. We're an we're an R and B group." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's a fine line. There's a fine line, you know. But we thought we were an R and B group, but but I think they were trying to pitch us to labels as as uh, as a boy band. But anyway, so now we mashed mash the two together. Now it's like this whole different um, scenario where we're 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 we're, we're you know writing. Uh, music that's coming from a different place now you know kind of like a more organic r&b and pop thing and we ended up establishing a really strong following with that group in the hudson valley and in in new york we ended up recording three two two eps in one full length album uh, okay as as live society but all all independently we never we are with our, our 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 little dance with with sony uh columbia was pretty much our last kind of uh teasing with the with, with the major labels System. that we just ended up doing. Was that intentional? It was. Not that I mean not that we wouldn't entertain a deal if somebody, you know, kind of came to us with something okay. that made sense, but we certainly never shopped again for, for a label or anything okay. like we were just let's just do it independently and do our thing, you know? So, you know, Live Society put out these 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 three records and you know it it was it was kind of one of those things where after I think I was, I spent 10 years in that, in that group. Eventually, you know, I think I decided that maybe we, I think we were all kind of going our separate ways and, and, and I decided to go solo and, and start my own, my own project, which is what I do now, you know, under the name of BC. And I'd long since left the, uh, um, the nine to five gig. So now I'm doing doing music full time. I'm making a living pretty much as a freelance uh, singer and musician. And, and, and also using you know the money I'm, I'm I'm earning on 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 my on my gigs to you know finance my my music you know so it ends it, the the music itself ends up being a little bit more of like a passion project than than if i was like hustling it you know super hard for you know shopping a deal or 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 something like that like i make i make a living as a musician but i don't necessarily make a living off of my own music sure
0: how difficult is it because you hear from a lot of people who are musicians and the sense is that in the modern day music world even like the musicians you hear about all the time don't necessarily make a ton of money like and and you seem to have carved out a place for yourself where you can sustain a living as a musician without having to have a, a second gig or anything like that how how do you like where's the balance between all the folks like, we can't make a living on what we get off of our recordings and you actually right. being able to do it successfully.
1: Yeah, well, I guess the, the the balance is you gotta be able to perform, you know? So, you know, there's a ton of artists that, you know, remember when Frank Ocean caught all that flack because he started, you know, he comes out with Channel Orange and it's like this amazing album, and everybody loves it. But right. Once he starts performing live, people are like, you, you, don't, you don't sound great, right? He, right? You know, there's a lot of artists that skipped that phase in the career where you got to cut your teeth performing live, you know, and, you know, technology change and you can craft these amazing records in your bedroom without having so much as as, as played a gig, you know, so that was not us. You know, we had tons of live experience and not as much studio experience, but some. So for me you know, I had a great repertoire from, you know, I played, I played bars, you know, bars and clubs and, you know, know, know a ton of music. So I ended up kind of being able to carve a little career for myself as a sought after event and session singer. So I do a lot of private events, corporate functions, you know, high-end uh, weddings and, and things like that. And then on top of that, I also do a lot of session work, jingles and, you know commercials and voiceovers and things like that and then also i do quite a bit of, of background work background singing for you know various artists you know i just did actually right before the right before the pandemic or right as the pandemic was hitting us you know my last gig actually was i was i did a the back-to-back dates with an artist named lau we did the tonight show uh, with jimmy fallon and then the very next week we did uh, good morning america so yeah i do you know between you know the event work and the session work and the live background singing and you know and then i'll still do my you know random you know hey you want to do a you know play at some some small bar in manhattan you know whatever for you know small bread but it's fine right I'll, I, I do i do plenty of that you know but I, I remember watching an interview with dave Chappelle where he he talked about become i think it may have been with dave Chappelle and, and james lipton the actor studio that dude But uh, Chappelle talked about a conversation that he had with his father where he told him that he wanted to be a comedian. And the the father said, what about, you know, economic security? You know, what about, you know, this and that and third? It's a very, you know, kind of uh, fickle uh, profession with, with, with audiences and this and that and third. And Dave said, I don't have to be huge. I don't have to be. You know, Richard prior huge, but if I, you know, what does a teacher make? You know, at the time I was like, oh, teacher, teacher will make 30 or 40 grand a year. Uh, and Dave said, well, if I make 30 or 40 grand a year doing comedy, which I love, you know, isn't that making it? You know, <laughs> and his father, you know, kind of was like, well, you know, it's, it's a good point, you know, and I, when I remember seeing that interview and I was like, Oh, I can, I can do that with music. So right. that's what I do. I, I, my, you know, we have a baby here at home. My, my, my lady works a, a real gig. She's a real person. I call her a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> she's a civilian. And, uh, and, uh, you know, so she's, she's, she's got the health insurance and, and I'm home during the day with the baby, you know, and at night I got, you know, you
0: got gigs. whatever
1: gigs I have at night, you know, and if it's sometimes in the day, I might have a session or a, or a, a TV show gig I have to do or whatever we work out for for my lady to be home in those cases, or if we need a babysitter or something like that. And it, it all kind of works out swimmingly or at oh. least back when, back when work was a thing. Yeah. Back when there was work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: when we
2: were employed.
1: Right.
0: And I want to talk about fatherhood in a minute, but how does, like, I, I want you to talk about how networking plays into getting gigs and, and, having a continuous workflow and you know all that stuff. Because you've been doing it, I mean, so if my math is right, that Apollo thing was probably like 24, 25 years ago. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, <laughs> not, not to blow your spot up, Brian. I feel wild <laughs> old right now. So.
2: <laughs>
0: but you know, you've been a working musician now for a really long time. And I feel like, you know, I mean part of me knows this because of what I do for a living, but you don't maintain gigs especially in a cutthroat city like new york without knowing people and making a good impression on the people that you do know
1: so yeah that's that's a very good point right so you know your ground floor not even not even ground floor like below the ground floors you have to be good right but guess what everybody in new york is good right so then you gotta be you gotta be visible you know people have to know you're around so that's you know a lot of that is you know, are there jams going on? Are there open mics? Are there you know? Are you going out to see other artists as you know they're performing? Are you, you know, are you are you out here in these streets, so to speak? So a lot of that is you know <laughs> I I was playing a lot when I first came to New York. I was playing a lot of the Bitter End, playing a lot of the Red Lion. You know, the, kind of the West Village spots, and kind of meeting a lot of other other musicians. You know, around you know around my age, kind of trying to do the same thing. You know, so you're doing the hang a lot. You're meeting a lot of people. You're, 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 you're hitting it off with them. And kind of through that, I, I started getting a lot of background work in that world, in the, in the singer songwriter world, you know, cause they knew me as a, as a, as a strong singer and a strong harmony singer. So I would get called to do a lot of these gigs. So the end, you know, somebody might see me. So now, you know, my friend, um, Caleb Hawley. Yes. So Caleb Hawley and I, you know, I do a lot of background singing with him, and now somebody, you know, may have seen me at, at Caleb's gig, and now I'm hiring somebody else. So it's, you know, that 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 networking thing kind of happens organically, thankfully, because I'm not one of those dudes that is is a, is a good schmoozer. You know what I mean? Okay. Not to say I'm not not to say I'm not friendly or or, or personable, but I, I I'm I'm not good at kind of like going and like let you know let me go make this relationship because this is like a. This An could official be force. Yeah, no, no, like, I don't, I don't do that. It kind of skews me out. But if I like you and I vibe with you, you know, then then
2: that's great. Go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And
1: yeah, we're gonna get along. Great. So, so thankfully, uh, just from being on the scene, just from gigging a lot, I, I kind of found myself part of this, this network that was getting a lot of, uh, a lot of work. You know, and that was so there's, there's different avenues. That's the singer songwriter world. You know, that, that kind of went from the migrated from the, the the bleaker street west village area over to the lower east side now it's kind of like home based around rockwood music hall we do right. a lot of stuff over there but then i have my whole other world which is like you know the 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 tv gigs you know the the, the event singing and, and the jingle work and all of those have their own little you know networks of you know sometimes you find people that, that work within those industries and uh I don't know. It's just a, kind of all a word word of mouth thing. So, if 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 the if the below ground floor rule is you got to be good, uh, and then the 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 second you know the ground floor rule is you got to be out and in, in, out in the world for people to see you. The third one and probably the most important one is not be an asshole. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, <laughs> but it's so important. It's so important. It, you know, I talked to I think I had a conversation with my friend Colin Smith about you know Colin Smith. No, he's a, uh, a, a, I actually I should link you guys up because you would, you would love this cat. He's a brilliant uh, singer and, and, and songwriter and also works kind of, you know, a lot of these, he sings, uh, he he, he uh, tours with Christina Aguilera, and he's a very, okay. very accomplished uh, singer and songwriter on his own. But we, we we're having a conversation about this very thing. And he says, you don't get the gig because you're good. He's like, every that's a prerequisite. Like, that's, you know, Everybody assumes you're good already because you're you're here. Everybody in New York is good. You get the good gig because you're a good hang. You know, I mean? nobody wants to be on a freaking tour bus with somebody that's an asshole. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to spend any kind of time with somebody who's like super self-absorbed and combative and you know like you know Kanye ain't getting no tour gigs. You know what I mean? Right. Regardless of how of how good you are, you know what I mean? You got to be somebody that somebody wants to spend any time with, you know. Um so that's like an interesting you know, facet of the of the musician, you know, live musician experience. You know,
0: yeah, I feel like you can only get away with being an asshole if you're the headliner.
1: Right, <laughs> right. I'm trying to. I'm trying. So, like, I'm trying to find some exceptions. You know, that are just so good based on their talent that they could get away with. You know what I mean? But even like, you know, I hear stories about you know Luther Vandross. You know, about him being kind of a little, you know, an unpleasant uh, person. To not deal an with. asshole right but then you also hear people that you know johnny gill will tell you that luther ventros is the funniest guy in the world you know like super sweet you know what i mean so you know maybe it's just uh uh somebody might 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 uh read someone as standoffish that 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 you know another person might you know might not but yeah for for the most part <laughs> you got to be a good hang
0: right but luther was also signing the checks so
1: you know the yeah maybe at that point right
0: yeah it's like kanye you if you're signing the checks you can kind of be an asshole as much as you want because people are always going to need the money
1: right oh, and, and also like social prince prince never needed anybody to hire him for a gig because he was right. always prince right <laughs> you know what i mean from right, like, he was a kid he had his bands you know and then the moment he took off he was you know, you know he could be as much of an asshole as he wants right. right he's also a certified genius
0: right yeah you can be brilliant in being a, i mean i feel like those might even be kind of prerequisites You know, if you're brilliant, you got to be like a little bit off.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah.
0: These are one exception. Right. Yeah. I, you know, bless Stevie. (laughs) (laughs) So you are a dad of a nine month old as of this taping.
1: Yes, yes, that's right.
0: And were you like, before it happened, were you like, I really want to be a dad? Like, that's a hole that's missing in my life or, or... was it just like,
1: okay, let's have a kid. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, I, I never felt that like, yo, let's have this kid. You know, like it, that wasn't, it, that, it wasn't like this big, I didn't feel like some empty hole in my life. I was very much into being selfish, being like, you know, I like to do what I, I like to stay up till five in the morning, listening to music and writing and recording and kind of doing whatever and, you know, sleep in and, you know, go do my gigs and, you know, when you're a musician, you kind of almost never, never have to grow up, you know? However, you know, it was something that, you know, me and my lady, would talk about often, you know, what about starting a family? You know, I, I very much come from a, a big family, a loving family. It was something I always wanted to do, but I didn't feel in a rush to do. It, you know? So when we finally decided, you know what, let's have, let's, 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 let's have a baby. It was, I had no idea what to expect, you know? So when we, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, nine months of, you know, every, this was all like, okay, this is cool. Let's see what this is. You know, but when, when that baby finally got born, it was just like, Oh, Holy cow. This is like such a, such a trip. Not what, not what I was expecting, but also not, not what I, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't unexpected, but it also wasn't what I expected. sure And I just found such a priority shift that just happens like immediately where you just realize that like kind of nothing matters you know except for this and it's 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 a weirdly you know parenthood everybody tells you how it changes you and how it's like it's gonna be the best thing you ever do blah, 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 you know and you're like all right yeah, cool you know whatever <laughs> you know but it's you know i just i've found that to be one thousand percent the truth. You know what I mean. It was just kind of like immediately, oh, nothing matters but this baby, and me and my lady, and 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 and, and you know, taking care of this uh, of, of this little one and watching her grow. And yeah, it was pretty pretty amazing, just kind of how the priority shifted from being a, a person who I would undoubtedly say I'm a selfish dude who's, you know, not in a malicious way, <laughs> right? but just, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I live, live my life as, you know, this is cool. You know what I mean? But to just kind of overnight being like, Oh my God, nothing matters but this little baby and, you know, our, 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 our home, you know, home life, you know?
0: And that wasn't a hard shift. It sounds like you just kind of like snapped into it as opposed totally. to going back and forth between like, Oh my God, what am I doing? And okay, well, I need to do so, this. All
1: right. So yeah, her mother, her mother tells me all the time, like, aren't you so glad I, you know, I, 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 I made you have a baby <laughs> and I'm like, you didn't make me have a, baby. I didn't have a baby, but you know, I was taking my time. I wasn't, I wasn't in a rush for it. You know? Sure. also I waited till I was, so I was 40 years old to have a baby. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big, uh, a big thing is, is waiting till you know, you're, you're, you're ready and you can kind of handle that responsibility. You know, People have sure. to young and then kind of, you're not, I'm, I'm immature as it is. You know what I mean? So, you know, a 40 year old musician is kind of like, a, you know, a twenty-five-year-old regular person. You
0: know, so, I don't. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, mature and immature people come at, at every age and every part of life. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that that you don't have is sort of the nine to five kind of responsibility. And you've had that life before too, so you know what that's about. For sure,
1: this is true. Yeah, I mean, I jokingly say I'm immature yeah. because you know you're, you're a big kid, and the music keeps the music keeps you young. Music you know?
0: keeps you young, absolutely, absolutely. What do you think? Once this whole COVID 19 thing is over, what do you think your gig situation or your your work situation is gonna look like now that you have a young child?
1: Yeah, it's it's so crazy that I have no idea what it's going to look like, right? I don't know what the world is gonna be like once we're, you know, kind of out of the out of the woods on this or whatever. But the hope is, you know, you know, I was gigging for for a bit before it hit with the child was born in in september and you know everything was working out you know great uh, my lady would be she was back at work and she would work you know kind of a nine to five type of scenario i'm home with the baby got the bottles putting it down for nap time like we're you know we're figuring this out you know sure uh and then and then at, at, at night you know lady comes home and uh takes over and and i get to go to my gigs and do and do whatever and we kind of back each other up so Coming out of COVID, we'll see what it's going to be. But you know, I think the the good thing is, you know, as long as you have a good kind of uh, foundation at home, good support. You know what I mean? We and and me and my lady back each other up uh, pretty, pretty, pretty well. So I think we're going to have to figure out what the new normal is um, as far as gigging and and uh, and whatnot. I don't think any. I don't think any. I need touring's coming back, right? So you know, like I might get those TV gigs. You know, I think that'll come back soon. You know, I yeah, touring
0: is I, not I don't think happening. i to call
1: to go on tour anytime yeah. soon. You know, <laughs> but I, I do think I do think the events will come back. You know, like the wedding world. People are still going to want to get married, and you know, but I don't know. I, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see because I, I mean, might just need to pivot. Yeah, Maybe I need to you know learn how to swing a hammer.
0: People will want to, or people will come back to, like, small clubs, you know, people will come back to studios and, you know, the session work, I think, will be available. People will want to perform again, you know, particularly in, like, a TV situation, whether the hosts decide that they want to do, like, uh, really? People don't know how to turn their car stereos down. It's usually, like, bachata or something like that. Um, (laughs) Yes, (laughs) <laughs> but i can't make it out but uh, or reggae i think this there is reggae yeah but uh, yeah i feel like maybe the talk shows will do like limited audience or no audience
1: right, right.
0: you know but you seem like a kind of roll with the punches kind of dude so that's it and you yeah. also like almost every person that i've spoken to as part of this podcast particularly the new yorkers are like well i have five or six different gigs or revenue streams or, or something like it. that anyway. So it's just kind of knowing Diversify how to Diversify your bonds. That's right.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> you know, bong bong. Exactly. You know exactly. So as your child gets older, what, like, what do you think it's going to be most important for her to know about the world?
1: Man. That's. I just got deep on your ass. I'm that's sorry. Heavy. That's so heavy. Yeah. I, I think it's just super important for her to keep her her optimism and her her self worth self-value you know what i mean it's kind of a little scary raising a little girl in in, in this day and age, well in any day and age you know but you know you just want what's best for them and kind of being a man you know i guess nobody knows better than us kind of how trash men can be <laughs> and how hard the world can, uh, can be. so I want her to, to, to be very firm in who she is and what she's worth know her, her, her value as a person and know the value and worth of, of, of other human beings and, and really respect you know herself and people from all, all, all walks of life you know be very I want her to be very strong into her culture. And I just, you know, I think it's just super important to raise her to be a a good person, you know, however that's, however that's done, you know, which is, I think, you know, you just got to lead by example. Example, yeah. Try to be, you know, try to be what you would like, you know, what you would like them to emulate, you know. And she's so young at this point, you know, I have no idea what the challenges are going to be yet or, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. You know, I'm very much looking forward to be able to take her out to the park because <laughs> right now we're doing, Can't you know, do that she's, shit. she's crawling around on this floor, you know, and I got her watching a lot of salsa videos and she's playing. She's got a little baby conga drum that she's uh, super, she's super into it right now.
0: She's going to follow in daddy's footsteps. Uh,
1: She's the, yeah. I'm I'm hoping. I mean, well, you know, if she's if she's into it, but I do want her to be into into music, and it looks like she's she's already on her way. You know, she's very responsive.
0: Right on. Circling back a little bit, like how important, like what did your parents pass down to you about Latina culture, Latino culture, Latinx culture, and what are you going to pass down to your daughter about the culture, like the important, you know. You know
1: I, it's interesting because my parents, you know, it was never, it was just something that was always around because the two of them are from uh, Puerto Rico. You know, my dad was 16 when he moved over and my mother was, oh no, my dad was 18 and my mother was 16. Okay. So it's interesting where I, I on some hands, I feel like, oh, I'm like, oh yeah, I grew up, I grew up super Puerto Rican, you know, because we grew up, you know, eating rice and beans every day. And, you know, we listened to all these you know old, you know, Gran Combo and Salsa Records, this and that, and the third, but I still every day find myself learning new things from other Boricuas in the city. You know, they're like, Oh, you don't know about this? I'm like, No, why don't I know about this? <laughs> where, where you know, I'm like, Oh, I also realized that I did, I also grew up very American, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm, you know, I I'd be like, you know. I, Sometimes I'd speak to some people, you know, be like, "Oh, you're not worthy, you know." You know, I'm self conscious about my Spanish because sometimes I don't, I don't want to speak like a gringo. And they'd be like, "No, you are a gringo. <laughs> like, don't like, like, don't get it you. You're a gringo. Your parents are are, are from the island. And you're from here. You know." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, there's there's levels to it, right? But, but yeah. So on 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 with some respects, I feel like I grew up uh, with a very strong connection to my culture and the island. And on, on in other respects, I'm like. I feel like, what whoa, what's that? Why didn't I, you, why did I know about this? I just got hip a couple years ago to our, our folkloric music of of, of bomba and, and, and Plana music, which is like, you know, this is like, you know, super essential roots music from 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 Puerto Rico that were started by the 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 slaves and, 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 and indigenous you know Taino Indians of of, of Puerto Rico and it's super, super heavy, incredible drum drum-based music that I'm just like obsessed with now. You know what I mean? And I I will start playing some of this stuff around the house, and 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 my mom's like, oh yeah, I love this. Song. And I'm like, wait, why didn't tell why <laughs> why didn't you tell me this? about <laughs> this? <laughs> How are you not going to tell me this? <laughs> this when I was a kid, you know, I started, started playing the cortijo y su combo records, and I'm like, whoa, oh my God, this is blowing my mind. And my mom's like, this is my jam. I grew up with this. I'm Like, why didn't I know about it? You know, so I don't feel like my parents felt there was any urgency in like passing this down to us. Not, I don't think it was a focused thing like. You know, they wanted to assimilate as Americans or whatever, but I don't think it was like, there was never like, don't speak, you know, there was never any uh, impetus to not rep your culture. But I, I, I think maybe they just assumed it was like something that I was going to pick up, you know, automatically. So, me myself having that insecurity now where I'm like, I don't want to be a gringo fied Puerto Rican. <laughs> I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be extra, you know what I am mean? I'll be extra with it, you know, and, and, sure. and you know, my little girl's, you know, I'm already playing all these old records for her. I'm already, you know, I'm reading her children's book about you know, you know, you know Puerto Rican heroes like you know when you know like just you know I'm, i I I feel like I, w- I will overcompensate if anything <laughs> I'm gonna so the moment she's able I'm she's I'm enrolling her in like bomba dance classes and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna know she's gonna know her culture
0: right on right on and uh, you know uh, one part of raising a a young girl is kind of thinking about your own masculinity and maybe like the shit that you kind of like feel icky about having done or having thought in the past. Like, does that ever like come to you when you, yeah. Um, For sure. How do you like, I think I personally, and I don't have kids and I don't intend to, I think one good way of kind of rectifying that is making sure your kid knows the game. But you know, I mean since you are the parent and I'm not like how do you yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you kind of figure that out in your head?
1: You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know honestly I haven't even had much time to think about all that since thankfully that's you know we're 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 a ways off Here's we um, from that but for sure I think it's going to be very important to just kind of have honest dialogue uh with her and not necessarily try to shelter her too much from, from what's out there. You know, in the moment, I feel like she, she can kind of handle it. I'll be like, oh, you know, listen, this is. If you have questions, you know, let's let let let's talk. You know, and and you know, we jokingly say, you know, she's not going to date till she's forty or so. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we'll see. You know, because 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 once once she does, then you know, yeah, I, I think it's just going to be. You know, you're going to want want to cultivate a relationship in which she feels comfortable in talking to you and being able to come with you come to you and let you be a parent but also not come from a place of of judgment you know let her not be too scared to disappoint me to not want to not come to me with actual issues you know right right so i i I, I think that's the game plan you know just honest honest dialogue and you know i I will absolutely tell her (laughs) i know what i was like as a teenage boy and, and i don't know what i was like as a you know. The twenty-year-old boy, you know what I mean. So, you know, these, you know, we'll just have to have the honest, honest discussions with 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 her, and you know, also always ingrained to her, you know, keep 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 her spirits high, her self-esteem super high. You know, I never want her thinking that she's less than or there's some, something she can't do because she's a uh, a woman or anything. I, I, just, I want you know, I want to raise a little Kobe daughter. You know what I mean? Who's hey. super super empowered and you know can do anything that she wants in the world and doesn't feel the slightest bit you know like she's uh like she doesn't belong in in any particular room you know
0: it's funny because you know when we were kids i think there was a sense of you know we gotta teach this kid about stuff before the streets get to him or before the Mm, before his classmates get to him now it's like we gotta teach these kids stuff before the internet gets to them
1: Right. Oh man, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. (laughs) I might, I might need to move, move to like a bunker somewhere, like like a tiny house in the woods or something like that. Zero internet, no Wi-Fi, no no Wi-Fi, no television. You know, home uh, school. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Yeah, it's a crazy world, right? Because I know what I, you know, I know the stuff that I was learning, not you know, and I, I didn't have internet when I was in school, you know, right. So it's a, yeah, it's a scary thing. You don't want them to grow up too fast. I was, I was very, I was a little bit sheltered too, because I grew up, I was raised by staunch, you know, Puerto Rican Catholics. Roman Catholics, you know what I mean? Where it was just very much, you know, church every Sunday. And, you know, this is, this is what the Bible says. and This is why, you know, we do it. And no, no, there's no why, but the why is because of what the Bible says and it's right. how we live our lives and, you know, but also I was a dude in that. So, you know, there's a thing to how parents and, 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 and I think Latino parents in particular raise their sons versus how they raise their daughters. You know, oh, I mean? so 100%. I, you know, I was, I was the youngest, you know, and still my older sister who had three years on me, which isn't much, but in high school, it's like, you know, she's a senior and I'm a freshman, you know, I mean? and if she wanted to go, go somewhere, you know, mom would tell her, you know, cool bring your bring your brother with you you know she's <laughs> like my baby brother right. what's he gonna do you know what I mean but meanwhile if I need to go out it's obviously you know there was there was no there was no issue you know what I, mean? I, I didn't need a chaperone so it's interesting you know kind of seeing the dynamic of what you know what that is and you know, I don't know. So we'll see if she has siblings or, you know, we'll see what, you know, I, I, I have no idea how I'm going to raise this child, but I, <laughs> we're just going to be, I, but I also need to do our parents. You know, I, I I'm realizing more and more as, a, as a parent, that nobody had a roadmap. Road nobody knew what they were doing. You're just making it up as, 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 as you went along, you know? So, you know, we'll see, you know, every situation so, you know, is and, unique. And also, you know, I'm going to lean on, other parents who I who I see doing it and what they did and you know kind of ask ask, uh, ask questions and, and you know just try and find uh, find the good information you know
0: right on right on so where can people who wanna know more about B Ski know more about B Ski
1: you can follow me on all the socials. I'm on uh, Instagram just @bski, at uh, B Ski at B S K I Facebook is at uh, b Ski Music, I believe. I'm also on, uh, uh, you can find my music on Spotify or Apple Music, Tidal, any, anywhere where your your, your fine uh, streams are sold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's no dash or underscore or dot because I always forget it's just
1: one word, B-ski. b Ski. b ski exactly. So it's interesting because when I, if, if, if I'm writing, my you know, b- B-Sky's my nickname, and then it also happens to be my stage name, but like a dummy for some reason, I thought it'd be interesting to stylize it <laughs> differently for commercial use that I spell it in life. Okay, right? so if I'm so if I'm responding to like an email or something, I might write B dash ski. That's the way I that's the way I wrote it since I was, you know, a young a young man. And but if you're looking for me online, it's capital B, capital S, capital K. Small I. <laughs> I never noticed that. Which is like, you know, and uh, yeah. So if you're looking for me, bat v dash ski, might, you might not find me. But if you write out capital B S K, lowercase i, then you will find me. I don't know what I was thinking, but that's what we did.
0: Brian, I legit did not realize that. And all the times that I've like looked you up online, or spoken to you, or been on your socials, I have never noticed the stylized the stylization.
1: <laughs> shows you where uh, my now, eyes now, are. Now I need to check like my email signature because I'm like, do I sign? I don't know. I'm looking at my email signature now and it looks like I write I stylize it in my email signature the way that it is in in the world. So yeah. But yeah, sometimes I sometimes I will write it out with a dash, but <laughs> <laughs> not if you're trying to find me. <laughs> good good to know. So my last question b ski.nyc is my website. Oh word. All right. How much did it cost you to buy the NYC? It was a minimal amount. It was nothing. <laughs> it was like, but I was like, I, I think com wasn't it wasn't available. Uh, okay, I I might have dot or something like that. But when I found out that nyc was available, I'm like, well, oh, that's Why wouldn't I take that? Why wouldn't I take that anyway?
0: Okay. So last question for you. And this is another like kind of tough one.
1: Okay, the heaviness. Here we go. Here,
0: what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: Oh my God, what is the best piece of advice that I've ever been given? Uh, I'm on the spot, so I'm sure after I get off the phone, (laughs) I will think of something better, right? But as a parent, everybody will tell you so much that it sounds like the most cliche thing in the world to just to enjoy every moment because it goes by insanely fast, you know? And I'm finding that to be one zillion percent the case because you know day by day I'm I'm finding new things with 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 this little girl that you know she's learning new things she's doing new things she's 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 just coming into her own at such a rapid pace that I can't even keep up and I'm already scared like please stop growing please stop growing please stop (laughs) growing you know so I think so so this. So I've been told, you know, be present, be so present for it because it goes by so fast. And I think it's a piece of advice that, you know, obviously it's super relevant as a parent, but it also is super relevant just in life. In In life, yeah. Is to be present because it all goes by so fast. When I'm talking to my nephews and nieces who are now young adults themselves. And I say, listen, I feel like I blink. I was your age and I've blinked and now I am you know forty years 40 old, years, 40 old, years yeah. old. And it goes by so fast. Be so present. You know, put put your phone away. I mean this is this is advice I can still give to myself today. <laughs> put your phone away, get off get off social media, whatever your goals are, go do it. Go go work towards it. Go research how you how you can accomplish it and go do it and be very 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 present in the moment because it will pass you by and you know before you know it you're you will be uh you know an old man <laughs> you know wishing you had done something that you you know that you always wanted to do so that is, that is that the best is, advice i've that ever had that and it, it goes by very quickly
0: big shouts out to brian bisky Koyazo for uh, taking time out of his schedule and being so generous with his thoughts on the show B-Ski's music is available on every streaming and download platform you can access. And you can go to NYC. I love that URL, by the way, to find out more about him. You can also find him on socials. He is on Instagram at B-Ski, B-S-K-I. He is on Facebook at B-Ski Music. And he is on in, uh, Twitter at Collazo. That is C-O-L-L-A-Z-O. And, uh, Make sure you check out his podcast, The Real Gentleman of Queens, which you can find at all the same places you check this particular podcast out. He co-hosts a show with my friend Julian Villard, who has also recorded an episode of Detoxicity, which you will hear in a couple of weeks. As usual, I hope that you uh, are enjoying this podcast. And if you are, I hope that you subscribe and you leave a comment on whatever podcast platform you are listening. And I hope that you uh, tell some friends about it. And if you want to follow me on Facebook, I can go to facebook.com/detoxpod. I'm on Instagram at It's Mike Joseph. You can email me at detoxpod at gmail.com if you have any questions or thoughts about this podcast, or you would like to be a guest on it one day. I've got some really good episodes coming up, so I really, really hope you continue to listen. And as I said in last week's show, I'm going to take some time out of every show and uh, talk about a particular charity. That is close to my heart that I would love for you to support. And this week I am talking about Silence the Shame. Uh, so Silence the Shame is based in Atlanta, Georgia. And they offer uh, basically mental health outreach for um, primarily young black people. And um, it's an amazing charity. And to know more about it, I hope that you go to silencetheshame.com and um, they also have a, a big uh, footprint in the music industry. Um, this community, this charity was co-started by uh, Shanti Das, who has worked with TLC, among other artists in the past. And if you would like to know more, please go to silencetheshame.com, and you can also email them at info at Once again, please stay safe and healthy. This has been the Detox Pod. My name is Mike Joseph. I will catch y'all next week. Peace.